You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast. If you're listening to this Friday through Sunday, you are a registered member. If you're listening to this after, you need to go to Fightful.com and get registered. Get early access to this show. Now, one of the reasons why I got our our podcast co-host for Fridays is because we can talk to him about a variety of different angles that pro wrestling brings you from, from a talent perspective, from an entertainment perspective, acting perspective. He's got amateur wrestling experience. Uh, he works as an agent, but he also works as a promoter and booker of Omega, which a lot of people don't even realize to this day. Shane Helms. What's up, man? What it is, brother, man. Like always, first off, we got to recognize the t-shirt this week. The Four Horsemen shirt. Look at that. Nice. Facebook. You can go on my Facebook under GM Crockett Promotions, I think it is. And uh, they're still selling these things on there. So they'll, they'll must have for everybody. We've got to start every week off with the T-shirt. It's a big hit so far. I think I'm wearing a Fightful shirt underneath that. You all can get that at Pro Wrestling T slash Sean Ross Sapp. We're hoping to have a new store up soon, though. Um, now, th- this this – this week's topic is going to be the process of running a wrestling show, which a lot of people like even like I've got so many questions as it pertains to this. And a lot of people don't even realize that you're promoting and booking Omega. How did that come about? Because obviously you had ties to it for years and years and years, but you're, you're the man behind the scenes now. The meat and potatoes of the show. Is there anything you want to talk about MMA wise in terms of the UFC this past weekend and some of our predictions? Anything you want to address? I was right. You were right uh, on the uh, main event. Do you uh, do you think that was a good call? Do you uh, how do you feel about the? Uh, I had decision? it. I had I had that fight scored for Duran to me. I had the fight before that scored for Anderson Silva. More. I don't even know if it was as much. I had it scored. But when, whenever I post my scores, I score it as how I think those judges are going to score it. Uh, and so that is that really your <laughs> uh, judge then? That's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because I, uh, I'm almost of that mentality of where I score like they score, which isn't always a good thing. Here's my thing. Uh, to, to Derek Brunson's defense, and I had Derek Brunson on Highway to Helms back in the day, and I like Derek. He's a Carolina boy, and he's a very talented 
fighter with a very talented future. Uh, he definitely outpointed Anderson Silva almost across the board in every statistic. So with that, you know, that being said, I understand him being angry. What I didn't like that he did during the fight, and it's something I don't like in MMA, and this harkens back to me being such a pride fan and to my amateur wrestling days of, of hating stalling. Like there was a point uh, twice, actually, when Brunson turned his back and ran. Yep. And I just, I have a problem within a company called the Ultimate Fighting Championship that you could just turn your back and haul ass. Because this wasn't even like some kind of defensive juking and jiving, moving, getting your hands up type thing. Turn your back and take the fuck off. Like, that's when I want to see that yellow card come out. That's when I want to see some stalling. Let's get in there and fight, you know, uh, and go. And now to the main event, like all Jermaine did was, was stand there and kind of counterpunch. Holly pressed that fight, I bet, 90% of the damn fight. And, of course, Jermaine was more productive in the counterpunching because Holly was pressing the fight. The fighter that's pressing the fight, to me, should always get more credit. And the, the, the most devastating shots of that fight landed by Jermaine were illegal blows. And points could have been taken off on both of them. Definitely should have been on the second one. Absolutely but should have. Definitely should have been on the second one. But uh, a friend of mine who's a judge, too, said that any uh, foul that causes significant damage on the first time doesn't want a warning. You can take a point away the very first time. You can. Yeah. You can. And that referee sucked. And who knows what could have happened? Maybe, I mean, maybe having a point taken away might have lit a fire under Jermaine's ass and she would have jumped on Holly and we would have gotten more of the barn burner that we all wanted and we all expected instead of the damn snooze fest that we got. Um, I didn't think, I didn't think the fight was that bad, really. I mean, it was what I expected. Holly Holm is that. I think like me for the reason that, 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 you know, uh, dedicated watchers like it because you like the combat aspect of it. Yeah. But, man, the casual viewers had to be bored with that whole card. Other than Poirier and Jim Miller, Miller. this was – And, and Jacques, Jacare was harmless. The way that I the, the way that I rationalized the Anderson Silva thing, Shane, was that, to me, if that had been anybody but Anderson Silva, I would have thought that was one of the most boring fights of all time. But because it's Anderson Silva, there was still that tension for me, that edge of the seat mm-hmm. thing where it's like anything could happen, this guy's a legend – that's what made it passable for me. Uh, mm-hmm. The main event was about what I expected. Holly Holm, and I've said this for years. If you go back, well, I've said this for about a year. If you go back and watch her first couple of fights, it's so unique to watch it because you can tell that she was training for Ronda Rousey from the first fight. There mm-hmm. were women that she would have absolutely demolished in the clinch. And it's like every, it's like all these girls were practiced for Ronda Rousey. She treated them like they were Ronda Rousey, no matter who they were. So if she got in the clinch with them, she would immediately back out because Ronda Rousey's going to throw your ass. Um, did you notice this? That was the most nervous I've ever seen any fighter ever. She had the jitterbugs. Like she did not stop moving, like uh, going to the, to the damn ring, she's running. She's like bouncing up yeah. and down. She's pacing back and forth, and Jermaine's over there, kind of just chilling. And like, damn, like you know, she's burning a lot of energy. Energy, yeah. and she did it before. I mean, between rounds, she was just over there, damn, bouncing up and down. It's like this girl is nervous as damn hell. But you know, I mean, it's, it's always easy to say these things. It's easy to say these things when you're sitting on a couch, you know, uh, behind yeah. a laptop and everything, you know, not in there, but um. But yeah, that was definitely not in my uh, top 100 of UFCs I've ever seen. 
she has some of the best footwork in MMA, I think. Like, it's it's beautiful, her footwork. Uh, unfortunately, Jermaine Durand to me, it was just a good matchup for her. Here's the thing. A lot of people, you're going to hear those idiots say, Holly Holmes washed up. She's washed up. Oh, of course. I think that if you if you ranked women's featherweight, it, she is top four, probably, in my opinion, women's bantamweight, even though she's lost three fights because uh, Misha Tate's gone. So that girl, she's right. not ahead of her. And as it pertains to women's featherweights, I put her right behind Durand and me and Cyborg. And you have a lot of people saying, well, neither one of these women can fight Cyborg. Somebody tell me the last woman of either of these girls' caliber that Cyborg's fought. She's been fighting people that have the resume of of, uh, Disco Inferno's MMA career. Come on now. So, yeah, I don't know. That 145, I don't even know if there was a championship needed in that. You know, I guess, you know, I know the hype. If you build it, it will come. But you got to build a division first, you know. You know what um, I was thinking? This I was, championship. When those illegal blows happened, I'm like, call it a no contest. We can cancel this whole fucking title. Good call. We can just get rid of it. Uh, yeah, uh, and the Derek Brunson thing, yeah, it wasn't even like he was resetting when he was turning around. He was just, he was just darting around like – a lot like in the Diaz Conor McGregor fight, you could see what he was doing. You can tell that yeah. Conor McGregor did not want his back against the cage because he was fighting a Diaz, and that's that's R.I.P. Uh, this Sunday, Fightful.com Tuesday MMA co-host Elias Theodoru fights. Guys, tune into that. And I'm assuming this drops Friday. We film this on Wednesday. I'm assuming that Frank Trigg, who is a licensed official, UFC Hall of Famer Frank Trigg, is joining us. I assume that he talked about the refing on Thursday's show, so check that out as well. We got Fedor this week too, so one of my all-time Fedor this weekend, yeah, yeah, that's, and that's scary, man, because Mitrione throws bombs. Mitrione is capable yes. of, of putting him to sleep. Uh, you know, my heart wants to go for Fedor because you know I've liked him so long, and I think long-term fans feel the same way. But I think this is a scary fight for him, so I don't know how to pick that one. I'm just going to watch it and hope for the best. Hope somebody well, goes he got, to sleep. He was getting worked by Fabio Maldonado last year. Yeah, he and was, my, yeah. Matt Mitrione has, some, has heavier hands than, than that. I think Mitrione has a real chance. But Mitrione's a good opponent for, for Fedor because I don't think he's going to take him down. Now, this, this leads into a bit of a current event that I want to talk to you about before we get into the show. I think we'll, we'll make that a habit uh, before I get into the, the topic-based stuff. Brock Lesnar retired from the UFC. Now, I've reached out to WWE, and it's so funny because they never – they never respond to your requests for comment <laughs> when when you need something, but when it's something that you know you're going to get a canned response on, they're oh they're right on right on the ball about that. And I asked them if they had a statement about Brock Lesnar retiring from the UFC. Now there's a difference in retiring from the UFC and retiring for MMA. Retiring from the UFC means that you are no longer in the United States Anti-Doping Agency testing pool. He doesn't have to update his whereabouts anymore. He doesn't have to tell them where he is when he's in Canada or in the Yukon or hanging out with a moose somewhere, wherever the hell he is. And he hasn't been tested, from what I've been told, for about five months. From what I understand, he will be eligible to sign elsewhere. He informed the UFC of his decision last week is, is what I was told. He is suspended until July, but one has to think, Shane – if Bellator can swing a Fedor versus Brock Lesnar fight, uh, that would be big business. That would be their biggest fight of all time. It might be the biggest heavyweight MMA fight of all time, period, anywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It'd definitely be Bellator's biggest. Yeah. So how do you think that fight would play out? Because I think Brock has a <laughs> real chance at that fight. Oh, no doubt. I think Brock would bum rush the shit out of him. You know, uh, I think uh, you can tell by his fight with Mark Hunt that he uh, he got out of that trying to trade hands with better strikers phase. Uh, just go take him down, do what you do. Uh, that would be his best shot, you know, and just hope that one of those crazy fatal haymakers don't land. A lot of amateur wrestlers have really good jabs, and Brock has never been an exception because they're used to leading with with, uh, with that foot a lot when they shoot. But, yeah, the Brock Lesnar UFC thing, it's very interesting. Did you think he was going to fight again in the UFC? Uh, probably not. You know, I didn't um, <clears throat> put a lot of stake into it, but after his last, like, uh, whatever, I thought he had contested that thing somehow, but I, and I never heard the uh, end result of that. I, I really don't give a shit about that whole, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's just one of those things I just think is really overblown and overhyped, so um, – but no, I thought after the last time when he got popped, that that probably would be it. He made a huge payday. He got what he wanted out of it. UFC got what they wanted out of it. The only person that didn't get what they wanted out of it, of course, was Mark Hunt. Um, so if he's got his uh, WWE stuff going on, if he can go to Bellator and continue making money that way, you know, uh, more power to him. Now this all ties in together because there is a guy who fights for Bellator uh, on that TNA roster. And I'd love, uh, to see, I'd love to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. I would you love want that. to talk about a big fight. Now, here's the thing. It always can – I don't know why UFC never signed him. Probably because they didn't want him to do pro wrestling, for one. But, I mean, you look at some of the heavyweights they've had on that roster, and I'm like, man, I don't get it. But uh, that would be a gigantic fight for, for Bellator yeah. as well. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley? Oh, that'd be great, man. I'm too close to that one to even try to pick. They're my buddies, you know, I'm – uh, definitely more closer to Bobby these days. You know, we've, we've always been great friends. So uh, I can't even try to dissect that one. My heart, you know, my heart would, you know, trick my brain into just saying pro Bobby, pro Bobby, knowing that Brock is, is a damn beast. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to stay away from that one. I'll watch the shit out of it. Though. I, I would go to that one. Yeah, that, that'd be a hell of a fight. Now, now on to the topic of today. We're talking about running a wrestling show. I was super interested in this topic and got a lot of requests for it over the last week after our mailbag episode. If you didn't check out our mailbag episode, go back and do that. Our shows uh, withstand the test of time pretty well. So uh, definitely go check that out. And, of course, go, out, go visit uh, Fightful.com for all your MMA and pro wrestling and boxing news. Now, Shane, how did you get involved with this aspect of Omega? As I mentioned earlier, you had ties to the company way back in the 90s, of course. So mm -hmm. it's obviously something that was close to your heart, but but what made you decide this? <clears throat> well, even back in the day, the, the biggest shows that Omega did, the biggest money-making shows in uh, as far as gate and attendance were shows that, that I promoted. I did most of them around Stanford, Southern Pines area. Uh, and but we did a couple in my high school, which was just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, and I took over the reins of uh, promoting those. And uh, even back then, they were our most successful shows. It was just something I really hustled at. You know, I would try, like, I would come up with a lot of different ways to get the word out, which is the secret to promoting and marketing. Um, where it all starts, you know, that that's the hard work. You know, I uh, especially this last run of the Omega shows that I've been booking that I booked and promoted, like. 
I got so much more respect for promoters now and understanding of what they go through because it's a damn headache. It's a massive headache and it's annoying and it's tedious and monotonous and it'll drive you berserk. Like what Vince McMahon has to have went through in his life. Like there's no damn wonder he's crazy. Try being a damn wrestling promoter. You will understand that shit without a shadow of a doubt. But um, even when I first got in, involved into the industry at uh, age 13 years old, uh, for a company called the Carolina Championship Wrestling Alliance back in the day, uh, and this was around 1988, 89. Uh, one of the first things I started doing for them was being a talent scout. You know, I just, wrestling was just my thing, you know, just had an eye for and could always do. Uh, I would start helping them book guys, help them put the cards together. Uh, and I'm t- you're talking about 14, 15 at this time. Um, so I've just always been interested in that aspect of, of, the, of the industry as well. But of course, I wanted to be in the ring. So once I once I started doing that, you know, once I got my in ring break and I was off to the races with that. But um, we bought Omega back uh, actually to do a charity show for a friend of ours uh, named Chuck Coates, Mad Max, as he was known in WCW. Uh, you know, um, as far as enhancement talent and stuff like that, worked on um, Sting and some of the other big names. So he came down. He he had a uh, he's actually had a couple bouts with cancer, and we decided to to do a benefit show for him, and and you know, and, and that was kind of the origin of, of Omega coming back. The show turned out really great. You know, we raised about fifteen thousand dollars for him. Um, just why don't we just keep doing this? And so, uh, and that's kind of that's kind of how the Omega lives at Omega lives is the uh, Twitter handle. Um, that's kind of how it came back to life for the second go round. So at what point, like how far out when you say I'm running a show, how far out is that? I try to go a couple months because we're a bigger show. We're bigger. Uh, we're like too big for armories, you know, but we're not big enough to do arenas. So we're kind of in a, a tricky situation, you know, um, so, and, and to, to market it really good and completely, I, I say you need at least two good months. And so the uh, the first step, of course, would be to um, would be to get a date and get a building. That, that's your first step to uh, agree with the uh, everybody that this is the date we can use and, and find a location. And <clears throat> the hard part with that is that me, Matt, and Jeff have to all have the dates free, mm-hmm. whether it's with TNA or whether it's with um, our, our indie dates too, because I want two of the three, preferably to have all three of us is the most beneficial to the company. So um, that, that's our first step is just finding a date that me, man, Jeff are free and then getting a location and going from there. So what, what all do you have to go through at this point? Uh, how do you decide to book a venue when you're too big for armories, too small for arenas? And, uh, What's that process like? Is that ever an uphill battle finding a place or have you pretty much found a, you know, some places will run the same venue each time. Yeah. we got a couple of different selections, you know, that we, we can choose from. You try to go for like, uh, I mean, a high school gym works pretty good mm-hmm. for us. Uh, you know, if you can get about 1500 people in there and, and our average, I think is 12, 1300 people uh, per show. So, uh, you know, a decent sized high school gym, not a small one. You know, if you get into a uh, primary school or elementary school or middle school, sometimes the gyms can be a little smaller. Um, you generally want a high school or if 
places like community centers, event centers, stuff, stuff like that. There's an aquatic center in Smithville, North Carolina, that has a real big uh, gymnasium type things that you could pack a bunch of people in. And uh, that's my hometown. So that's always a good uh, base for it. Uh, my hometowns have always been sellouts. I don't know why, y'all. Um, so, so, I yeah, mean, that's, that's the, the, the high school the gym thing. The high school gym thing, too. I mean, there's a lot of seating readily available. You don't have to bring in a whole lot for that. Obviously, on the floor, you do. Uh, what are some other benefits of running places like that? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a negative about running a school gym is because um, like sometimes the easiest thing to do is just rent the gym out. But we like to always do some kind of charity thing where we can have, give a portion of, of proceeds to whatever just to help. We've always done that, you know, whether it was the North Carolina um, Eddie um, or, or different things like that. So, so sometimes when we go to do schools, they are going to want to try to get involved. But here's what I've noticed. They don't do shit. They just want yeah. the money once the show's over. They don't want to help at all. And they say they will. And they're like, yeah, we'll have all the parents. We'll do this big picture you know, parent teachers thing and all the parents will be here and they'll all chip in and they'll all sell 50 tickets a piece and they don't do shit. Yeah. You just never do. So you just can't count on them at all. So, you know, you generally learn that a hard way. I learned that from watching other people's mistakes. So I never relied on that. I was like, no, I'd rather just have a flat fee on this gym. You know, if, if there's money to be given to any type of a charity, we'll handle that. We just want give us the gym and, Everybody's happy. Y'all make, and we normally give them the concession stands too, because I don't want to handle that shit. Yeah, and that's where they'll make a couple thousand dollars. You know, and that's just I really just have to convince them. Listen, y'all just do the concessions. You're gonna have twelve, thirteen hundred people so here. Does that does that all go to them, or do you get a portion of that? No, I like normally I like you could negotiate a portion of that because you're the one bringing in the audience. But that's you know that's one of the things where I don't really want to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I'm more focused on, on, on the show and I just want to kind of handle that. And that's how I kind of find a good compromise. Like, listen, let us do this. We're going to keep all the ticket money. You keep all the concession money because you're not doing shit. We're doing the show. We're doing all the work. You're just standing there handing out hot dogs or whatever the hell it is. You got a concession stand and, and taking in the money. And, and normally, you know, uh, and I'll say it a little bit more, you know, delicately when I, when I talk to them aspect, but that generally uh, uh, fixes that that scenario yeah i mean a lot of times you'll have places like that buying those 34 packs of water and making a 30 dollar profit on them selling them at concessions for a buck a pop so mm-hmm. i would imagine yeah they and i've had schools in. that i've had schools that when it was over wanted more of wanted like some of our ticket sales really it came how, up how and like try to renegotiate oh tell them to go fuck off basically was how that conversation went like you no, ever returned to a place like the- that um, yeah, but not dealing with that same person. Like I, I, when we went back, cause normally the, uh, the principal or somebody will contact me. Um, it's like, yeah, we won't know if you guys want to do another show and I'll explain to them. Uh, I say, yeah, but this is what happened last time. And that was very dishonest and, uh, it was greedy, especially for the minimal, if anything, amount of work that, that the school does. They, they do nothing. All they have to do, they have a space that we use to put on this show. And we're going to put the show on anyway, whether it's at this school or another school. And so that, that's normally, you know, myself pitch anyway. Like, so we're going to do this show and we can give, I mean, this other school can get the money or you can get the money is what do you want to yeah. do? But yeah. And then we have one guy, uh, this was pretty interesting. 
he went out and um, we had given the school like, you know, whatever, 30 tickets or something. Here, you guys take these for yourselves and just do whatever you want to with them. Uh, if you sell them, that, that goes to you. Now, like, a, and, and, and that's kind of like you go sell those on your own, you know. Yes. If, if that's what you're going to do. Or if they're going to give them out to people, that, that's at their discretion. But, you know, uh, we always try to, try to do that. And so uh, the doors haven't opened on this show yet. And the athletic director is walking out trying to hawk his tickets, the ones that we gave him for free, to the line that's already lined up. Oh, no. Yeah. And, man, boy, and I about lost it then. I about lost my shit. Uh, my partners, you know, uh, Mike Maverick, who is the serial thrillers with me and Omega, and another guy named David Taylor, not the David Taylor from WWE. Um, <clears throat> they're the ones that helped me do a show along with a guy named Jim Hall. They they had to talk me. They had to defuse the situation because I was ready to go whoop his ass. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of thing. That's a lot of stuff that people don't realize that somebody might have to deal with. Then you've got to book wrestlers. Now, how does that work? Do you contact them personally? Yeah, I contact everybody on the Omega cards. I book everybody. I contact everybody. For me, it's a little bit of an easier process than for a regular promoter because I got a reputation. You know, I got a very stand-up reputation in the community, uh, especially amongst the wrestlers. You know, uh, I pay good, which they, they all tend to enjoy. Uh, they know my shows are going to be good. I'll cater. I'll have some food for them. You know, it's not, you know, and I'll have water. You know, I mean, I go to indie shows sometimes and they won't even have water for the boys. You know, so I make sure we at least got water, you know, uh, but we always have food for them and stuff like that. And, and they know they're going to uh, be treated well and they won't have to worry about any bullshit. So uh, that, that's why I got a little bit of an advantage, you know. And a lot of the newer guys kind of just want to work with us anyway. Uh, I'll invite I've invited a bunch of uh, the local promoters in North Carolina to our show. Like when I first brought Omega back and we decided that's what we we're going to do. Like I, and I put out, you know, a mission statements and I'm not trying to run anybody out of out of business, but there is a lot of shitty companies out there and I mm -hmm. want y'all to get better. So come to our shows, watch our shows, see what we do. I didn't think some of them would like jack the ideas that we did that completely like some of them did. But, you know, it it, it is what it is. But you can see in North Carolina now, since Omega came back, all across the state, the shows are better. And some of the little shitty companies have just fizzled away. So it's kind of a self-correcting system that I helped you're, create. You're, there. Seeing, you're seeing places in that area like CWF that are getting a pretty good following. Oh, CWF, they're kind of like our feeder school. If we had an NXT, it would be CWF. I've known those guys. Uh, one of the guys that runs CWF was at my very first show that I went to, I mean, that I performed on in 1991. He was out in the crowd, and we became friends since then. Um, they've done that little company, and they, they, they're in a smaller building. You know, it's about the size of an old TV studio that you used to see, like, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling on. Um, they've done over 300 shows. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, they, they work hard and they put out a solid product that they care about. Um, so I'm a big fan of that group. Uh, you got the PWX down around Charlotte area. You got AML around uh, Winston-Salem, Winston-Salem area. The CWF, of course, is my, you know, one of my favorites. Um, I forget what Carino calls his company. Well, we'll have to uh, look that up. But Steve Carino's got a company more toward the coast that does really well. There's Ring war, Wars in uh it's fucking hard to say. 
in Fayetteville that's really good. You know, so there's some good ones. There's some really good ones out there. But the main thing is the shitty ones have kind of disappeared. And not that I wanted them to disappear, but I've always had the mindset that there's going to be somebody in your show that is their first indie show they've ever been to. And if it's fucking rotten, they might not ever go to another one. And yep. so that's when I see really bad shows that I'm like, I'm always, you know, that's, that's something that always is in my mind. Like, man, they're fucking it up for everybody else because of how bad this is. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, that was one of my mission statements. I want every company to get better, you know, be proud of what you do. It doesn't have to be this backyard bullshit. How often do you have wrestlers contact you to get booked? Like, I mean, I know that's a thing. People will send highlights and stuff, but how often do they, do they contact you for bookings? Every day the sun comes up. <laughs> and how often do people get booked that way? It definitely happens. You know, I mean, does, you know, if I don't, if I don't know who you exist, it's going to be super hard for me to book you. So, um, and I tell most of them, look, even if I don't reply or, you know, I've said this in uh, other interviews, even if I don't reply, keep sending me because, uh, you know, sometimes I'm just busy and it'll fall through the cracks and maybe, you know, I do like this person or I do like this talent, but, you know, I, you know, I get, uh, oh, my, my email is right now 2,700 and that's after I've wow. took a, taken a bunch off. So, um, you know, shit slips through the cracks sometimes. And I mean, that's how I got noticed too. It wasn't like Ted Turner came and knocked on my fucking door or, you know, uh, you know, you gotta, gotta get yourself out there. So, and it's a lot easier to contact these days with social media. So exactly. Um, yeah. So I don't go out searching for guys too much. You know, uh, there might be guys I, I didn't know and, and I wanted to book for, for whatever reason, but for the most part, it's almost always been people that, that came my way. Uh, the same applies honestly to wrestling journalism too. We're not coming to get you guys knock down doors, email us, stuff like that. People are always asking, how do you get into wrestling writing? I can't find you if I don't know who the hell you are. So yeah. send an email, send some samples, guys. Um, you got to buy a ticket point, to win the lottery. To your point about like crappy shows ruining for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've literally, I've been to shows. I've been booked on shows and then I see what's on there and I'm like, I, I can't do this again. Like, yeah. It, I mean, you see people. Now, I mean, there, there's a lot of debate on the indie circuit, especially – the very, very low levels about gear and what people should be wearing. And I mean, when you see people, I, I'd love to know what you feel about that. I mean, you see people on Monday Night Raw wearing khakis and jeans and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And is that something that should be replicated on the indies or, or even the, I mean, the low levels even, or I, do I think, they all need to be wearing when, gear? I think when you see it on TV, there's a purpose and there's a character there. It's not because they can't afford gear. And yes. I think that's the big story. You know, that damn Raven, when he started that look, it was over. That damn, that damn Raven. You know, and Matt and Jeff, too, uh, with, the, with the baggy club pants and the tight shirts. I mean, you know how many fucking Hardy Boy clones there are out there and Raven clones. Raven might be, there's probably more of the Raven one because I saw that shit everywhere. Yeah. Um, I like gear. I like wrestling gear on wrestlers, you know, and if it's some kind of weird gimmick and it somehow works, then okay, I, I definitely understand that. Um, I just see it come from a place uh, of creativity. 
that, 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 that is a character, not that you can't afford gear or you just don't want to buy gear. And then you go to create a character just to match the bullshit that you have in your closet, because that's what happens. Guys go to the fucking hot topic or I don't know what the store is today, but that's what it used to be. And they put some shit together and then they create a character to fit that shit. You know, that's not exactly how things should go, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I think you need to learn how to work first and then work on your character and let's go from there. Um, but generally, the shitty gear and shitty work go hand in hand. That's kind of generally how it happens. When guys are good workers, they take pride in what they look like, and that's when you'll see it happen. Now, I mean, of course, there's going to be some guys that have shitty gear or really good, and maybe they just can't afford it. But in this day and age, man, you can get on highspots.com. There's your plug. There you go. And they got they got gear. They got every damn thing. You can get it. It, it ain't hard to buy a singlet, guys. You know, and when I first started, I wore my amateur singlet. You know, and I had my yeah. amateur shoes, so I didn't have the boots. Uh, so I understand not being. I couldn't afford boots, and I didn't even know where the hell to get boots at the time. I mean, it was a very different age when I broke in. But then I started to realize that you know, you I was getting heat because I didn't have boots, and that was causing a problem. So, and also it hurt my damn feet, and my I broke my toes. So uh, I got me some damn boots, and I never went back. I, I prefer wrestling gear. I prefer to see guys looking like an actual professional instead of some guy off the street. I'll tell a story that kind of really helps validate your point on that very, very lower level. Um, myself and my catch wrestling coach were asked to work a show. We worked against each other, and they did it because people knew him through the fight team. People knew me because my face is on a screen here and there. And it was for a good cause, a good charity show, did like 250 people. It was a little outdoor show, beautiful day. We were the only two people on that whole show with gear. And I was like, thank God we're working each other. Thank God we're working each other. I came to the next show to support them as a spectator. Um, there was, I think I covered a UFC show that night. I couldn't work it. There were 70 people there. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because of the weather. And there wasn't anybody on that show with gear. Well, since that first show, people, I don't know if they saw us and were like, maybe we should get some gear, look a little more legit. I don't know what it was, but it, it ruined a lot of people on it. A lot of people didn't yeah. come back because what they saw wasn't on the level. And uh, good cause or whatever, if if it's not good, people ain't coming back. So I, Yeah, I you know, and, and, and if, it's, if there's no argument that it's Bush League shit, mm-hmm. You know, that's going to leave an impression on the fans that you don't want. And this impression on some of the talent that actually has a pride, you know. That's why I'm very selective on the indies that I do. You know, and there's a couple that caught me off guard. You know, the payday's good, so I got to assume they're a good promotion Then I get there. And evidently, they sold the fucking car to pay me or something because the promotion of yeah. this shit. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. They didn't do any marketing or promoting, so there's not many fans there. So I was like, okay, you know. That's that's another thing. That's another thing I want to ask you. Like, okay, you see these shows overseas that do maybe a couple hundred people. How in the hell are they affording to fly a Shane Helms or Matt Riddle over there, pay you off, pay for your hotel, pay for your flight, and all that? Like, how how do they afford that? Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, I, I'll money would, marks. Like, what is it? Do you know? Like, is uh, there any way? I mean, I, I mean they got to be making money some way unless they're. I mean, unless they're. You know, the, the money mark term is funny. You know, uh, because if you got money, you're marked for anything. Sure. You know, so that's, that's one of those things that's kind of a it's, – it's, it's a derogatory term, but we need those in the business. That's what investors are. Investors in any business ever money you know, could be easily labeled as a money mark. You know, so uh, I, I don't know. You know, I know like um, with me, man, Jeff, per se, okay, now we all come with a price tag. On Omega, you know, I, I even though it's us, you know, we still like to give us some money because we are working. Yes. Um, but, but now the talent – price isn't what it would be for somebody else, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like when I bring in a Chris Daniels or a Scotty Too Hotty or I brought in Rick Steamboat, you know, Tommy Dreamer, Mick Foley, now that comes with a price tag, of course. So you got, I mean, you just got to budget it out, you know, and that's what I would do. I would make a talent budget, you know, and look at the, the tickets that I think we could sell. And, and I would have that money ready though. But, you know, again, I'm in a different, uh, a little bit of different area than the, the regular indie promoter because I got money in the bank. So my boys are going to get paid. Like I got the money in the envelopes before the doors open. My boys, my talent is going to get paid. The referees are going to get paid. Like, and I pay these guys way more. Like some of the local guys, any guys I pay, I know they don't get this anywhere else. I know yes. that. I'm a money mark. I just, I want, I want to do that. I want them to go home with a sure. decent payday. And I want them to remember that because say they started getting a bigger name elsewhere. Okay, that doesn't mean you're going to get a super bonus now. Mm-hmm. Okay, because just remember, I overpaid your ass for years. So you need to do me a little bit of favor. But I just kind of think that's good business. You know, if you take care of people, hopefully they'll take care of you. That's the hope anyway. But um, yeah, uh, to, to that I mean, word, I mean, it's got a negative connotation. I don't know how. It's got a negative connotation, but it really shouldn't. I mean, I've heard that while I, I absolutely hate the insane clown posse's music, I've heard nothing but great things about the way that they treat pro wrestlers and the way that they pay pro wrestlers and pro wrestling personalities for their now, business. Let me just say, fuck you, because I love me some ICP. Hate the well, music. I hate the music. It's trash. Um, I do not think you can call something trash that has the following they have. You just can't do that. You uh, do not like it, maybe, but you can't call it that. It's trash in my listen, opinion. It's subjective. Listen, I'm not the biggest Justin Bieber fan in the damn world, but you can't call this shit trash because there's a it's bunch trash. of people that like that shit. It's trash. Um, they take care of people pretty well. That's that's what I heard. Bill they After could, told me a story uh, about how they, they took care of him very well. And, you know, Bill After, not a guy you would expect to see at a gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, and – he said it was, a t- to, it was a wonderful time. But, but, but check this out, though, because they're entertainers, and they've done small venues, and they've done good venues, so they know what it's like to get treated shitty. Mm-hmm. So their experience is what makes them want to do that. My experience with shitty promoters is what makes me want to have 
you know, a better experience for the guys that I'm putting the show on for. We've been there, so we know what it's like. A lot of promoters, I mean, to their defense, they just don't know. How would they know? Yeah, there, there was a story. I can't remember if Terry Taylor or Bruce Pritchard told it about Jerry Jarrett offering people such low money. They were like, how can you justify this? And Jerry Jarrett said, well, these guys would pay me to be on my show. <laughs> and that's that's a rough mentality. I mean, that, hey, to compare that to pro wrestling, there are people who have literally offered to pay me to write articles for the site. And I'm like, that's a dangerous road to go down. And eventually, that hurts me. That hurts me come yeah. negotiation time if somebody is willing to do my job for free. It's bad. Now, I've, I've had guys that were that offered to work for free to come be on the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, – and even like gave me some super low price. And when they got to the show, I still paid them what I would have paid anybody. I would never uh, have somebody on my show to work for free that, um, I mean, I don't think I would ever do a deal like that. What happens in the event of a no-show? Have you had that happen yet? Not on, not a no-show per se, where they just don't show up without reason. I had that, uh, I had a couple guys have to pull out, you know, uh, I booked Moose once and, and the Ring of Honor date came up in Vegas and all of a sudden they needed to fly him out early. And so uh, I, I canceled, but, and I think maybe on one of the shows, Cedric Alexander ha had to do the same thing too, but uh, well, well, you know, uh, you know, good reasoning. Uh, I should say reasoning, not excuses. And uh, give, give me time to like, uh, you know, plan accordingly. So no, I ain't never really, like I said, uh, that, that goes again to me, having a pretty good reputation and people don't generally want to fuck me over. So anybody that just ever didn't want to cooperate with whatever plan that you had for them and maybe made a fuss about it. No, I wish I, uh, I wish I had a good story like that. But like I said, man, this, this locker room and I don't tolerate that. I don't tolerate, you know, sure. Was, I, I will be the biggest asshole in the locker room. Anybody that's a worse asshole than me, then you must be an awful human being and I can't have you there. Um, but no, you know, no, no real problems. There was actually one where I wanted the guy to uh, to 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 uh, go over, but his gimmick was that he wanted to do the job, and uh, so he he actually fought to go under to to do the favors. And it was like <laughs> I said, this is some shit that just don't happen a lot, you know. And uh, <laughs> did he do the job? I wanted, and it wasn't nothing that was going to affect what the story I was trying to tell throughout the show. And so, uh, you know, I'm very cool with. Uh, uh, if guys got something crazy or some kind of weird idea, like let's discuss it, um, that type of thing. I'm, I'm that type of guy, so it wasn't nothing that bothered me, and uh, it actually worked out uh, even better. So now, sometimes you bring in ROH TNA guys. A lot of times, based on their current push on TV, do you have to plan your booking accordingly? Because, for example, say if Braun Strowman was allowed to be booked. For Omega. WWE mm -hmm. ain't going to be happy if you book him to lose. Yeah, but those are jackass promoters that do that. And I've, I've dealt with them. I dealt with, you know, uh, see, I, I got a different philosophy. There are some people that say you just, you get paid, so do whatever the hell you, you know, you're told. Like, I, I don't agree with that. See, it's because of the work I put into it for years. Just because yeah. you're paying me for that night, that doesn't mean you control my whole damn life. That's not what that means. And I told, and this is a good line that uh, the boys tend to like to, when it happened, you know, promoter says something. I said, listen, I get paid to appear. Appeared. 
what happens next is at my discretion. You know, you got to be smart about doing business, you know, and I, like when I bring guys in, uh, I would want to highlight them. I would want to show them, you know, especially if they're big money, shit on them and put over some guy that nobody knows. Like that, that to me, that's just silly booking. Unless we got multiple dates and we're going to do a storyline, you come in, do a little bit of business, and we both get something out of it. Say if it's a newer guy going to get something out of it, things like that. But when the promoters just bring in, and I had a guy say this he, uh, to me and Rosie because we were uh, doing an indie shot, and he's like, words out of his mouth said, We like to bring TV guys in and have them put over our guys. And I just go, Yeah, well, that's not what I do. You know, we're the superheroes. We're here to save the fucking day. You can't come out here and just beat us for no damn reason without, you know, in some kind of non, you know, nonsensical match. You, I can go out there and have fun, and if it's good, and and I put up with guys that when it, it was something good that happened out of it, and, you know, I ain't going to prostitute out my character and the work I put into creating this character just for one night, one promoter. You know, I'm, I don't need money that damn bad. You know, there's some guys out there that do, and they got to do what they do, and that's on them. But the hurricane is my shit. You're just renting it. You do not own it. So when you tell them maybe you're gonna, you don't want to do the job like that, do they try to lowball you on money after that or renegotiate? No, no, no. The money is the same. The money is like I said. I get paid to appear. Yeah, motherfucker, I have appeared. Sure. So, but I've heard of guys so, doing that. I've heard of guys doing that that they'll do the job for more money. I, to me, it's not, to me it's not about that. You know, I have a really weird character. My character is a superhero. I need number one. I need a villain. Don't book me in there with a baby face because that shit drives me nuts. You take away my character. I need a villain more than any other character in the history of this business. The superhero needs a villain. I need somebody nasty and mean and ugly because that's the story that the superhero tells. If I ain't got nobody to save. You kind of fucking my shit up and you fucking your shit up because you fucking up. Why would you even bring me anyway? And I've told promoters this, like, if you wanted just another wrestler, you should have booked anybody. You booked me, the hurricane, because of what I bring to the table. So you got to let me bring it to the table. So when you when you start your show, how many people do you have there working, volunteering, doing whatever it is, whether it's setting up the ring, setting up chairs, taping things off, putting up a guardrail, anything? Well, number one, here's what I do. I rent, I get a ring from Hot Spots because they come with a crew. They put that shit on oh, nice. CWF. Actually, CWF. I, I get the ring from CWF. Uh, Hot Spots brings the camera equipment. So they set up all the camera equipment and shit like that. Um, do they Mike, run it Big as well? Mike. Yep, yep. Uh, Big Mike, Maverick, He, uh, we got this overhead light system. You know, I like the old school. I don't like all the lights on in the building. I like the dark environment with just the lights on the ring. That, that To me, that creates a more intimate, old school setting, you know. And people, when the lights are dark, the people get a little bit more crazier, too. That's another thing I've noticed, a psychological thing. When the lights are on, people are a little bit more, you know, concerned about how they look or come off to other people. But when it's dark, they'll yell, go crazy, and just do whatever the hell they want to. So uh, I like that old school setting there. And a CWF, they bring a ring crew, so that gets all set up. You know, whoever the building is, they normally help with the chair set up. But uh, we got a couple guys that, you know, just love wrestling and love to be there. And, they, you know, they'll come and help as long as we, you know, throw them a ticket or two or something like that. So there's definitely volunteers. Uh, you know, I'm hands-on with everything. My woman, Karen, comes out to do a little thing, you know. So uh, you always got a couple extras out there helping. But we never have to beg people. Everybody uh, – 
luckily with this group, you know, very fortunate offers to help a lot. How far ahead do you start booking the show? Like deciding who beats who, what goes where, formatting the show. Once I once I get the date down, that's my mind starts racing right right away. You know, I decide what I want that main event to be. Um, Are there some nights you like you can't sleep? Gonna... Perhaps you're you're like so excited. Do you still get that? Uh, I get that all the time. Anyway, I'm just you know uh, I got a hyperactive brain, so uh, you just start thinking about shit. You know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and. Like I got some idea in my head and I'll sit there and it'll, it'll drive me damn crazy, you know, cause now I need to get back to sleep cause I got to get up and work out, you know? So, uh, but, but that's good, you know, to have that kind of excitement about something. That's, that's a great feeling to have. So uh, that doesn't bother me, but yeah, I, I normally uh, start with the main event. That's why, I, cause that's what I want to end, how I want to end the night. And then how I want to end the night in the night, uh, that sets the tone for what I want to do throughout the show. Motors miss. And what actually I think a lot of younger talent miss is that a show tells a story just like a match does. Flow. That's why when you got these guys that want to go out there and steal the show every match, they could definitely fuck up the flow of the show. You know, you can't just you can't really have just a whole bunch of nuclear explosions going on for two hours. You need some dips. You need some dives. There'll be in this match here. You know, maybe. In the earlier in the show, I want something kind of crazy to happen. But then the next match, I want you guys to stick just to wrestling, okay? Because we did a bunch of crazy shit in that one. I need the people to take a breath. Don't go out there and stink it up. That by no means is ever the case. But right here, we need to tone it down a little bit. Um, and maybe there's some comedy over here, okay? So now here, I want to get serious because we just did some comedy before. I need to remind them that we're athletes again. So now let's do some serious shit. Um and that's where guys miss. That's when the promoters go out and just let the guys do what they want. Promoters generally never have been in the ring, and they don't understand that. That You need to be telling the story, and you need to have the crowd ready to explode by the end of the night. Now, if you've had guys out there doing moonsaults to the floor all night long, you know, just for the pop of it, without rhyme nor reason, you're going to exhaust the crowd. And there are every now and then there's crowds that might not get exhausted, but you need to bet on you know on the odds. And the odds are that by the end of the night, that crowd is going to be pretty tired. So you got to have some good shit at the end. You got to have your main event guys at the end ready to go. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, like per se, a PWG crowd is a whole lot different than a North Carolina crowd that may have grown up on a different style of wrestling, mm-hmm. maybe used to a different sort of thing. So. Yeah, that's, sure. an, that's an interesting aspect uh, to really look at it. And you really answered my question of, do you format it a certain way? Uh, who knows the finishes? Like when you're going into a wrestling match, is it just you, the guys and the ref? Like, yeah, that's all, some, that's all some, people, some people don't even clue the ref in because they want them to treat it as a shoot. Yeah. I don't really think there's a purpose in that these days, you know, uh, I don't really see the the benefit of that. I think we know what wrestling is uh, at this point in our lives. Um, so, yeah, and I'll, I'll talk to the guys, you know, and I'll actually say, okay, and maybe it's just, uh, okay, I need a baby face up here. You know, that's that's what I need. Uh, come up with a couple ideas and, and hit me, you know, uh, a little bit before the show. Because I want the guys there a couple, you know, uh, a little bit earlier in the day. Not don't show up 30 minutes before the show. You know, I get my guys to go up a little earlier because they know it's a bigger deal. Um, and everybody is generally, you know, pretty easy to deal with in that aspect and if they got something good and it might be like i say something that's all right listen that's really that's a great idea but it's just too much for this right here what we need um and guys learn from that but you know everybody that that uh, that does that you know they might not agree with it at first but then they see it later on and 
Like I've just had, you know, guys after guys go, okay, I, I thought, you know, I thought you just didn't like what I was doing. Like, no, I love what you're doing, but we just don't need that in the first match. You know, so um, guys like that, you know, the, the, most of the guys appreciate it and they learn from it and it helps them grow as a performer. What does your ref know? Like, does he have an earpiece? How how do you handle that being on, you know, your smaller scale than TNA, WWE? Well, sometimes, I mean, you do very, very good crowds. How instrumental are they in what you are doing in the ring? They just know the finishes. I don't know. You know, they and they go over that with the talents. You got to have good referees. That's very important. You know, a fucking a jackass ref can mess everything up. You know, so you got to have some refs that are good. And uh, and luckily, uh, there's a couple good refs in the area. So uh, uh, one comes down from Virginia, you know, um, and those are the ones that I trust, you know, uh, especially if they're going to be in there with my main event guys or, you know, if, like I said, if I bring Tommy Dreamer in or something like that, I want a ref with him that's going to not go out there and fuck it up because I don't want the guys to come back because then it's my fault. You know, that's the thing as a promoter booker. Every fuck up is going to be your fault somehow. You know, so uh, you got to be held accountable for that. So. You know, I, I just make sure I use talented people. My first rule of booking is don't book people that suck. I cannot stress that enough, and I see it on shows that there are people out there that just are fucking abysmal. But keep in mind, those are generally shows that don't have the luxury of, of doing what we do in Omega. You know what I mean? So uh, I know you got to get good somehow, but on my shows, like being a little bit bigger than the average indie show, I just don't book people that suck. If I think you suck, you're not going to be on my show. So, I mean, th there are a lot of people who do the accentuate the positive, hide the negative thing. If they know that somebody's green, they'll put them in a situation that doesn't necessarily expose them. Have you had to deal with that yet on at Omega? There'll be guys a little bit greener than some of the other guys, of course. Uh, but like I said, if I think a guy can't perform, if I think he's not ready, I'm not going to put him out there. I don't give a shit what the situation is. It's not, it's not worth it to me. you got to have pride in what you do, and you can't have pride and somebody going out there and bombing the whole fucking show because it doesn't take in it's so easy to kill that crowd and i'm not talking about killing them with all you can kill them with some bullshit and once you kill them with that bullshit boy it's hard to get them back it's hard to get them back so that's a very important thing say one of your guys uses a chair where does that chair come from and are you paying a deposit on that chair i ain't paying shit uh, I mean, we'll have, we'll have steel chairs. You know, we know somebody's going to get hit with a damn chair, so we'll have some chairs out there. Uh, stuff like that, you know, I'll have them, uh, you know, if I do a little meeting before the show or whatever, you know, it's like, all right, if you guys are going to use chairs or anything like that, just let me know. Um, but I've never had a problem with that, you know. I mean, there's a chair out there. If it gets banged up and I got to pay 20 bucks, 30 whatever the fuck the chair costs, I'll do it. Ain't no big deal. Guys, a reminder, subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. If you subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, you get the show the same uh, time as members on Fightful.com do. So do that. Uh, we are going to introduce a new thing. Uh, we're going to try it once. If it works, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, we'll do a full show called Work or Shoot, where I give Shane a story, and he'll tell us if it's a work or a shoot. But uh, we're going to save that for another day. Now, i got to ask you, Shane, what do you consider – a successful show that you're running? Uh, if the product's good. Because number one, I, I, I'm still the artist, man. I'm still the, my artist mindset supersedes my business mindset. And in a, in a good company, you got to have guys that are handling the business and they, they want to make money, but you got also got to have people that actually care about the art because the business side tries to kill the art because they don't care about the art. 
They don't care what's out there. All they care about is the money coming in through the door. Now, money is very important. I'm not saying it's not, but I also have a lot of pride in what we put out there. So uh, a successful show to me is a great show that makes money. So how often, like, is that something you ever concern yourself with? Like maybe you're getting in too deep financially. Is that ever a concern? I mean, you are, you are putting in some money into these things. Yeah, but all our shows make money. So we ain't had a problem with that yet. You know, we do how invest, often do you, you know, we in, go ahead. How often do you like to run Omega? I only like to do it like four times a year because our shows are big. Um, but since my, you know, duties in TNA and man, Jeff schedules picked up so heavy, due to their recent uh, reinvention of, of their characters. It's been really tough to like, we haven't done a show in the last year, but not for bad reasons, for the best of reasons, you know, just because we're, we're too busy. But in that time, you know, like I'm, I had championships made, tag team championships, you know, that's another thing with my company. I want our championships to be great. If you can't afford a title. To, I was about to bring that up. I feel like that helped usher in a, a bit of a change in independent wrestling because I see a lot more companies doing that now. Like I have a couple of title belts over here from that dirty promotion that that they had me win and they're the typical replica belts. That ain't the case for your company. That ain't the case for Monster Factory Pro Wrestling. Danny Cage is real good about that. Um, right. And yeah, that I know what I, I know your belts actually inspire Global Force to get some beautiful titles as well. Yeah, like I, I just knew I knew how I felt when I was a kid and I saw Ric Flair's big gold belt or I saw Bachwinkle's big AWA belt and, and some of the really great titles. It's like, man, I want to hold that one day. You know, I want to I want to be that champion. Then you see some titles you're like, man, look at that shit. You know, so uh, I wanted to create titles that not only the fans like, but if you can get the boys to mark out for them, then, then you're doing something. And I see it like anytime, you know, we'll have the Omega title kind of laying out. And you'll see guys walk by and look at it, and you can see a gleam in their eye. And that's what championships are supposed to do. You know, it's not just supposed to be a big logo, your company logo on a fucking piece of metal. But that doesn't do anything for me. Like, I, I want people to look at it and go, man, that's fucking awesome. And so that's what our belts do. And uh, I spread that message, and there was a reason I kept posting all the videos and pictures of that belt as much as I have. Like, let the people know our shit is better than yours. I think we should do a full show on uh, championship belts one day. No disrespect to TNA, but I think several of their older championships looked a hell of a lot better than the ones they got now. Like that Kurt Angle TNA championship with mm -hmm. the Eagle was beautiful. I posted a picture of Mickey James with the old knockouts championship with the white strap. That was a work of art. Um, yeah. yeah well, I man, my question I is. That title. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it looks like it was designed for you, though. Yeah, right. That was just a coincidence that I have. When the hell's Marty Garner going to come back and defend that Omega New Frontiers Championship? Uh, I think Marty's completely out of the business. <laughs> so uh, there'll be no. I tried to get him to do commentary. He's really funny uh, on the microphone. That's one. Of, that was his biggest strength. Uh, was a uh, uh, you know was the, the mic work was a lot better than his <laughs> ring work. But uh, you know he'll he'll tell you that. But uh, he's uh you know he's moved on with his life. I think he. Uh, after that pedigree started. Triple H gave him, I don't blame him. Yeah, yeah, that might have been it. That might have killed all nine lives at once. I remember when I saw that, it was, I came home from like church or something, and I watched WWF Superstars, and I thought he died. I think he did. 
<laughs> That's why he can't defend the, the new Frontiers Championship. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, guys, if you all haven't seen that, go check that out. And unfortunately, that's unfortunate. That's what that's what a lot of people know him as because he's a very talented dude. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He he actually worked MVP like ten years later. I remember on WWE TV. I think I think it was MVP's debut. It was. If I'm not mistaken. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it could be mistaken. I remember I, I saw so. him and I was like, I swear to God, that's Marty Garner. And then they said it, I was like, it is Marty Garner. That was that was pretty yeah. cool. So, goals for for Omega or any promotion that that you run in the future, like like, do you ever try to build up to something? Do you like like you always hear things like this? Uh, if so and so promotion would have stayed doing what they were doing, then they'd still be in business today. You hear that about a lot of promotions, and that seems to mm-hmm. be the model that a PWG is really embracing. That mm-hmm. hey, we're not leaving our four hundred and fifty seat venue. We'll jack ticket prices up, and we'll still sell out, and we'll be in business. Is that your mentality, or do you have a different type of mentality? Well, I think you always get better. You always should be improving from a production standpoint. I always want, you know, uh, we, I wasn't going to go dump twenty thousand uh, dollars right out of the gate into a ring and a big setup and turnbuckle pads and aprons and all this kind of shit. But I wanted at least every show to get a little something else. So when we when whatever money we make on this show, we go it goes back into the company. I don't put it in Shane Helms' pocket or Mike Howe or David Coates or Jim Hall. We don't, you know, we give ourselves our little fee and it's moderate. You know, it's more than I get paid on other indie shows. So normally I'm kind of taking a loss because you know I'm having to take this weekend off where I could be making this X amount, but I'm going to go work my ass off to make even a smaller amount. But I want that, you know, I want this company to grow. So. Um, I, I didn't have any problem doing doing that, but I, I think from a production standpoint, you just keep getting bigger and bigger and and making it better as far as as the product building out there, and just don't get ahead of yourself, man. Don't jump in that damn deep end if you if you can't tread water. Well, as I mentioned, you're a creative dude, and I mean sometimes you just gotta have those creative juices flowing. You gotta have those those creative urges filled, and I mean I think that's a big part of it as well. Uh, guys, a little explanation on how the shoot or work thing will work out. Any stories about wrestling? Maybe, maybe a little, you know, a little iffy. You don't know if they're real. You don't know if they're, there are a lot of people who didn't know if uh, the Vince McMahon tearing his quad thing, like, or not the Vince McMahon tearing his quad. The the finish of the 2005 Royal Rumble was a shoot or a work. They didn't know if that was planned or not. Everything from that. To if Shane thinks that the cash me outside girl is actually a genius in disguise, is that a shoot or a work? I don't think she's a genius, but uh, I think that uh, she's monopolizing on a. Do you see what she said to Doctor <laughs> Phil when yeah, she came back? Yeah, 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 I think so. I think she just you know got off. Uh, like, uh, listen, just just be a douchebag, and it's gonna it's gonna work even better. It's worked great so far, so keep being douchey, and we'll see how far it goes. Personally, I think. Thank you for that. Is a way better quote than "Catch Me Outside." Doctor yeah, Phil was, hitting he her was back. Riveted. He was he was great. That was perfect. I think that Doctor Phil is fo- is following the the template of Mari Povich and Jerry Springer. It's like you have your ten year run of really sub, like very important Ser- serious, topics. Serious. Then you just say fuck it. Fuck it. Yep. Without fuck a doubt. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Also, a question that I didn't ask you. If King Maxwell gets booked, does he get a payoff or does that just go straight to Matt? 
I think it goes straight to Rebbe, no matter what, even if it's That's Maggie. That's true. Straight, straight to Rebbe. Um, Another thing, too, that's important that we really didn't touch on this is, is the advertising aspect. You know, yeah. uh, our, guy, our guy, David Taylor, Coates, he uh, he does all the artwork, the digital artwork. And so our posters would look really good. It wasn't some, you know, I've seen those uh, hanging up in convenience stores where you see this poster and it looked like some, you know, fucking kid with Photoshop made it. Not even Photoshop, whatever that first gimmick, Paint Pro with, that came with Windows uh, 3.1, like he yes. made it with that shit, you know. Um, you know, you gotta, it takes a little bit of money to make money. So, you know, we get big banners and, and that are, you know, quality, high quality advertisement and stuff like that. You know, if you can find some radio, do it, you know, it isn't just about Facebook booking. Cause I see that a lot on, uh, indie shows that just, especially when you're booking uh, a TV guy, you know, myself or whoever, and they just want us to tweet about it and Facebook about it. And like, that's going to bring in people like, man, I don't know who the fuck's on Twitter anymore. You know, I don't know what that's going to do. I don't even know how many I have on Twitter. And I don't know how many of those people are in your area. I don't know what that means. Um, So it's more than just, you know, social media booking, uh, social media advertising. You need to get your ass out there. Hang those posters up. Make them good looking posters. Don't put 80 fucking people on there that I can't tell who anybody is. You know, have a couple people that you know somebody's going to recognize have a, you know, I try to have a, a mascot on there. Normally that's me, but because the, uh, you know, the lucha element that that is, you know, we got a big Latin population uh, in North Carolina. So there's always going to be a mascot on mine because I wanted to in, entice them. Somebody that might not even can read English, but they see the uh, wrestling. And uh, I'll put, I've made uh, almost every show, we make Spanish posters too and go hang them uh, in the Spanish Good side. Idea. Of yeah, of course. That's what I do. Here, here's an example of uh, of Coates' work, guys. His best work of all time. <laughs> For those of you who can't see. Now, does it ever enter your mind, maybe I shouldn't hire somebody who's such a shitty fantasy football player? Does that ever enter your, your... – Now, he's a, he's a much better graphic artist than he is a fantasy football player, no doubt. No, there's, <laughs> there's really nothing we can do about it. much. But he's a Tar Heel fan, so he doesn't really know a lot about great athletics. So, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, be that is, be that is. They can't, they can't all be Kentucky basketball fans like your boy, Sean Ross Sapp. Tonight, but tonight, actually, this will be me against Coach because the NC State Wolfpack is playing the Carolina Tar Heels. It's about a time this comes out. Hopefully, my pack will have prevailed, but uh, the odds are against them <laughs> to do so. Hey, I'm. At this point, I'm just trying to get an NBA team here in Kentucky. We, we've been given false hope all these years. I'm ready for it. I want it. Shane, anything to tell these people before we go? And, of course, guys, if there's anything I missed, send it to me on Twitter. We'll cover that on the, at the beginning of the next show. Uh, obviously, follow us at Fightful Wrestle, Fightful MMA, Fightful Online. But, Shane, where can they follow you? At ShaneHilms.com. Cross platform that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, everything is at Shane Helms.com. Uh, just because my website is shanehelms.com, you can buy yourself a t shirt at 8 by 10. I might even eventually mail that shit out. I have a couple that I missed recently. <laughs> I didn't even know uh, until I get an email from PayPal saying, hey, bitch. Um, so, yeah, uh, do that. Also, too, we talked about this off air last year. I want to do this one. I want to recommend this book, Damned. It is a cursing on the air graphic. Not 
novel, graphical literature, as I would say in WWE days. It's not for kids, but it's a damn good book. Put out by Boom Studios, because, man, my comic fans, we're worldwide. Y'all thought we was a small group of people, but we're worldwide. Not for kids. <laughs> so don't, uh, don't drop that around your uh, third grader. Guys, uh, send in any topics you want us to cover. Obviously, we're going to get to stuff like Shane's angle with uh, with The Rock. We're going to get to his agent duties in TNA. We're going to get to that one that we talked about, injuries and botches in wrestling, because Shane seems to be around for everything, from like Sid's leg break to Vince McMahon's quad tear. Uh, we'll talk about backstage uh, backstage reactions to those, the invasion angles. Another one we will obviously get to. Anything, a deletion, I'm sure that's something we'll eventually talk about. But send in any topics that you want us to cover. We'll evaluate them and make a make an executive decision on such. Guys, Fightful.com, register at Fightful.com to get early access to these beautiful podcasts. Shane, I want to thank you for being so so honest and candid about running shows because there aren't a lot of people that we can just talk to and – have elaborate on the situation as it pertains to booking, advertising, marketing, uh, setting up, and then buying a chair that gets smashed. There's not a lot of people we can talk to about that. Exactly. And the best way to make $2 million in the wrestling business is to start out with $5 million. You think Dixie would do a shoot with me? She might. She, I think she, might, she might have some free time these days. We're out. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.